you hear that? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> All right, now we can begin. Get this put away. Uh, is this water also mine? Oh, wow. I can't drink all of that or I'll be like, excuse me, gotta get. <laughs> I am so thankful to be here. Uh, we did indeed have a great time with the ladies, per usual. Um, I've had several ladies say this one, this retreat was better than our others. And just in the consequences of it just feels like the uh, rewards of it were really amazing which father's just good like that you know he just always one-ups us he just always does one thing better than than what we expect and anticipate so thank you ladies for this privilege thank you shannon and karen for this privilege uh, okay, so today we're going to talk about intentional transformation. A lot of this today is going to be super practical. And I find myself feeling like, should I be more spiritual? Should I be more, you know, holy? Should we have more signs and wonders? <laughs> and I also find myself feeling like I'm going to do what I feel like I'm supposed to do, even though it feels a little not normal church. So... I am going to ask you to just jump in and enjoy being super practical. I think so many times we do not talk practically in the church about what is actually available to us, but more than just what's promised to us, how to take hold of the things that are promised. And I think we have a ton of Christians, I'm afraid I'm going to fall off my shoes or the steps, uh, and I think we have a ton of Christians who know the truth, who know what's been provided to them, but they simply don't know how to put that into effect in their lives. So this morning, a lot of what I want to talk about is simply how to get what's promised here into my life that I'm living it out and working it out, okay? Uh, you know those people who just really seem to have it all together? Yes? You have to feedback out loud so I can hear you. I can't see your heads nod, all of you. Um, those people who are super annoying because they seem to have it all figured out. Yeah, there we go. The annoying part helped you. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure what that says. But those people who have it all figured out, and it's just annoying because you watch their lives and you watch them work things through and you watch them be successful and you're like, what the? Those people are who we're going to become today. Aren't you happy about that? <laughs> We're going to learn how to acquire the promises that are for us, but not be annoying, okay? Does that make it better? Okay. I want to talk about Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do you remember what it says? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And then it goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do we get the Word of God into our hearts and into our minds to actually fully be transformed? So what I'm talking to about today is spiritual. It is a way for you to shift your life and make a change. All right? Okay. So we're going to talk about how to know 
the truth, know what truth is, how to settle that truth, how to implement the truth, and how to make it work, and what to do when the seeing is currently unavailable. Because a lot of times we can't see it happening or we've been working on something for what we feel like is forever and it still hasn't changed, what do I do in that space when I'm doing all the right things but I'm stuck in that space? Okay, so these are our, what we want to work on today. First thing I want to do is look at James 1, 2 through 8. This verse, if you will spend time here, is amazing. James is very much about like James is very structured. He's very disciplined. He's a worker. He's an accomplisher. So he rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> because, because I want to have fun and I want to play and I want to just be like, whatever, and have a good time. But James has some very important things for all of us to learn. And I want you to make sure that today, what I'm going to say is potentially could sound like, don't, don't, you can look at that. I thought the verses were up and I was going to say, don't read it yet. I'm still talking. <laughs> um, but potentially, you could take all of what James says and be like, that sounds like a whole lot of work. That sounds like a whole lot of discipline. I get that. I don't like that. So today, I want you to keep your hearts really open to see what James is saying in a different light, okay? We're going to do it in the Amplified Classic version because I think it just expounds a little bit and gives us a little extra. Okay, now we can read. <laughs> James 1, 2 through 8. Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defect, defects, lacking in nothing. If any of you is deficient in wisdom, let him ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding and it will be given him. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no wavering, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, doubts, is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, decides. So, there's so much in this and so much goodness. I promise this is good. This is good news, okay? This is part of the gospel and it is good. So the first thing we have to determine is we have to settle truth. What is it 
you truly believe. People today, even more so I think today, COVID, like we have a thousand bits of information, millions of bits of information given. And honestly, God himself knows what's true, right? We are so all over the place and trying to figure out, well, what do I believe? What's true? How's this being spread? How's it not? Blah. All the stuff everywhere, all the information you can grab. And it's that way across the board in our lives where there's, you see this thing in your life and you think that's true and then this thing and then that's true and this thing and that's true. If you are a person who uses your brain, <laughs> sounds bad, uses your brain a lot. I know all of you use your brain a lot, but some of you tend to use your gut more. Some of you tend to use your heart more. But if you're a person who uses your brain a lot, and by that I mean you analyze things to death. How many of you are like that? I just want to know who I'm talking to. If you're like that, you know how easy it is to be double-minded. Like, I think this, and then I think this, but I see this, and I see this. And you're great at helping people come to some sort of reconciliation because you can see both sides, and you can help bring them to middle ground. But for yourself, when you're in your own head, and you've got, you know, five things going on, well, I can see this, and I can see this, you become maybe triple-minded, maybe quadruple-minded, right? You get so crazy all over the place. We've got to come to a place where we go, this is what I believe, this is what I'm settling on, and this is what we're going with. And then, if I get over here and I'm wrong, I can change my mind. I can shift, okay? So settling on what we believe is huge. Um, is the word of God true or is it not? That, to me, that is such a perfect, basic thing that we have to decide. I think especially now, more than ever, in the age that we're living in, in the times that we're living in, you better have something to stand on because there's not much to stand on. So we've got to come to a place where we go, this is my truth and this is what I'm standing on no matter what. So is this true or is it not? Is the whole word of God true or is it not? And can I stand sure and firm on that or not? All right. What do you believe? Decide. Deuteronomy 30, 15 and 16 talks about a choice that we all have been given. And even though this is in the old covenant, it's still true for us today. I have set before you this day life and good and death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his ordinances, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land in which you go to possess. We can choose life or we can choose death. In all of our lives, everywhere we go, the promises have been given and we get to choose. We have a whole lot more privilege and say in our lives than what we want to think about. Because all of a sudden, if I look at my life and the things I don't like, 
I'm responsible for, I chose, right? I heard a speaker one time when I was in eighth grade, (laughs) I heard a speaker say, you have right now exactly what you want. And that hit me really hard. And that was eighth grade. (laughs) That wasn't even as an adult. But you have right now exactly what you want. Now, maybe you don't understand why you have certain things and why certain things have happened to you. And maybe you don't see that. But what has happened is you have maybe subconsciously and maybe just without intention chosen some things and got stuck with some things that you didn't realize you were choosing. Now, I am not condemning you for that because we all have that. Every single person in this room, no matter how put together they look, has something that they are dealing with. Yes? It does not matter. Now, life may be really good. You may be in a really good space, but there's always something that we are trying to figure out and learn and get past. So when I say you have what you want, I understand you can look at things and go, that's not what I want. But you have maybe fallen into having that thing. So what we're working on today is how do I choose what I want so that I don't end up looking at my life going, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. But rather we can look at our life and go, I don't want that. I can work on that thing rather than this mass of things to fix, right? So decide what you will choose. Is the word, word of God true or not? And what will it be, life or death? Now, I just want to give you a couple little practical things. I know most of you believe the word of God and you believe the promises that God has given. But I just want to give you a couple little proof things that the word of God is true. Now, you understand Almost nothing can be fully proven. We can prove gravity because we can see it. But when it comes to things that we need faith for, it is hard to give it like full-on bottom line proof. But we can look at a whole lot of things and give it some pretty good possibility of truth, right? In Job, what is that? Job 7, 38, 38, 7. It talks about the stars singing over us, right? It talks about legitimately the stars are singing. Now, here's what's interesting. Scientists have figured out, they've done enough study, that before the flood, there was this nice canopy over the earth, which gave us a beautiful amount of oxygen. And that canopy also had Ladies, we talked about this. Radio frequencies in the canopy that allowed us on earth to hear what the stars were doing. And the stars legitimately were singing. There is recordings of this. You can go find this. The stars singing over us. We simply don't hear it because that bubble got collapsed during the flood but legitimately the stars sing over us. Another thing scientists have found out, people who study quantum physics have decided and declared that we are legitimately magnetic beings. We are made up 
of magnetic particles. And those magnetic parts are pulling things to us and pushing things away from us. And I know you're thinking, well, great, but that's science, that's quantum physics. But here's the thing. Scripture already said that. How many verses can you think of? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What a man sows, that will he also reap. How many scriptures talk about sowing and receiving? Talk about what we think and what we believe and what we expect will come to us. So simultaneously, we are pushing things away from us. So, in my mind, pretty good odds for me to believe the word of God because scientists are little by little proving it to be true. Now, I'm going to believe it even if they aren't because I think God's bigger and smarter and wiser than me. But, pretty good chance I'm going to be the winner at the end going... Ta-da! It was right. It's all right here. Plus, I get to prove this out in my life. Now, that's my first challenge to you is see if you can prove out the word of God in your life. The man who discovered that the stars are singing over us and that that was true, one of them, his name was Carl Baugh. He was an atheist, and he determined that he was going to set out and prove scriptures wrong. Because there is no God, we're not going to believe in God, this is foolishness. So he sets out to prove the scriptures wrong. He's a scientist and an atheist. Guess what he is now? A scientist and a believer, right? Because every single scripture about creation, he went through to prove it wrong. And he kept finding it was right. This scripture that we have the word of god deserves our honor our respect and our belief because it's true so there is one thing to settle in your heart what will you believe secondarily implementing truth engaging truth the definition of engage there were several things so i want to share those with you engage attract Involve, establish a meaningful connection with, arrange to employ or hire, pledge or enter into contract with, and these two are my favorite, move into position so as to come in operation like a farm implement. You engage that implement so that it's ready to work. These days I think, do we have farmers in here? No. Oh. Oh, yes. So when you go to engage and implement, is it just the push of a button? No. You've got to work with it. You've got to get it in position, get it to work the right way. So we move it into position so that it will come to operation. And then this is interesting. This is about um, swordsmen and fencers. Bring weapons together to prepare for battle engage engage the truth so suddenly we see that this engaging is not just a matter of okay I believe I got prayer I received and we walk away and we're done if we're going to engage the truth 
we have to engage it. We have to attract it, involve it, make it top priority, work with it to get it in position. It takes diligence. It's not magic. I think so much of what, especially, I'm sorry, but a lot of charismatic Christianity has taught us is to go and get prayer and magic. And all of a sudden, we have some kind of magic happening and we're perfect. And that's not real. On occasion, that happens. And thank God for those times that that happens. But if we're going to implement the truth, it's going to take something on our part. Because our little heads have these filters and these strongholds that are in the way that can't allow us to think differently. And because all of us are functioning with what we feel, and I'm not opposed to that, like what you feel matters, but when we're basing everything on feelings, how I feel when I feel sick, I can't, like if I feel sick of any kind, it's hard for me to go, this is what's true, because I feel this, which is opposite of that, right? So we have got to actually work at engaging everything that we're doing to make this thing come to pass, to make this thing work for us. It isn't just about magic, I got prayed for and now I'm healed. When that happens, awesome. Thank the Lord. When it doesn't, what are you going to do? You have to make a decision about what's important enough to you that you will make the thing happen. Okay? And trust me, I am not... I understand how difficult in certain areas what I'm talking about is. So my mercy is strong towards you and with you and for you. I can empathize, I can sympathize, but if I don't tell you the truth of what it takes, then I'm a false prophet, like I'm, I'm not speaking truthfully to you. So I want you to know that while I understand the difficulty of it, there is joy in it. You know, when you have to fight for something and you get that thing, there's so much more reward and joy than when it's just handed to you. I mean, of course, everybody likes it to be handed to you, but once you've like, I fought for this thing, it's mine, and I know it's mine, and you see it come to pass, everybody's like, there's a dance in the end of that, right? Then it's no longer just principles, and I put it into practice, and blah, blah, blah. It's not that. It's like, I did it. And I did it, not because of my own goodness, but because of the grace of God and me engaging my faith. And that's what I, we're going to talk about that, but in Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, for it is by grace, through faith, you have been saved. This is not just of yourself, it's not your own doing, but it is the gift of God. So in this verse, we see it is by free grace, God's gift, and it is by faith, my trust. I'm, I really prefer the word trust over faith. I don't know if I've told you this before, but faith for me has a bad connotation. Because of my training and my schooling and all these things, I just have... Faith doesn't work for me. So I just say trust. So 
I would encourage you, if faith is one of those words that sends you off the rails, trust. It is by God's grace, his free gift. And do you know grace means God's ability? It's his ability that you grab hold of to make come true in your life. And then it is um, our faith, our trust in that, that comes together to affect change. It's not one-sided on his part, one-sided on my part. It is a coming together. One of the things I learned in Bible school, um, I heard that you guys were Rama grads, yes? So one of the things I heard, I don't know if you heard this, but they said that I remember well is the natural and the supernatural coming together make an explosive force for God, right? The natural and the supernatural. We're not just looking for some amazing, fun little reward, instant gift, add water, there you go, put it in the microwave, it's all yours. It is the natural, that's you, the supernatural, that's God, coming together that creates this, and then magic. Because we've learned how to put the principles that he's shared into effect. Okay, so implementing truth is huge. Um, so engage all the tools to make it work. How do you learn new things? Anybody, tell me, just throw out. How do you learn something new? Repetition. Intention. Exposure. Practice. Some of you learn by reading, some of you learn by seeing, some of you need both of those things, some of you listen and learn. Hands on. Hands on. We all learn in different ways. So if you're going to learn how to implement and engage a truth, you have to know what do you do to make it work? What, ha what else have you learned that you've learned and you know? How did you learn that? Implement that thing. What do you want to do to engage the truth? How are you going to make the truth be the primary thing in your life? Apart from what you feel, or even along with what you feel. I feel this, but this is what's true. Okay, I see both of those things. Now, how do I make the feelings get into this place, and I know this is what's true. So we want to do the easy thing, right? How many of you want to do the easy thing? You know, um, my father-in-law used to always tell my husband, work smarter, not harder. So I'm not asking you to work hard. I'm asking you to be intentional and smart about the way you work. Decide what's going to be best and go with a plan. Be intentional about it. Engage whatever you need to make that thing true for you. So, I'm going to just go through this massive list. Be intentional. Include body, soul, and spirit. 
if you can incorporate all the parts of your being into helping that truth become your reality, you will get there faster. So, how about out loud affirmations? How about putting up verses all over the place around your house? The promises that you're believing God for. How about putting them where you see them? And when you see them, it's not like this, oh yeah, that, that you go, wait a minute. That verse right there is my truth. This is what's real, even when I don't feel it. And my feelings are learning to connect and line up and get in line with that truth. How about a music playlist? Put together a playlist that is about trust. Put together a playlist that is about provision. Whatever it is that you need, journaling, poetry, write a contract between you and God. Meditation, simple things, string on the finger, a piece of jewelry that you don't normally wear. So now you wear that piece of jewelry and you go, right, I know what this is about. This reminds me of this verse. A tattoo will do the same thing. <laughs> it's more definite and firm. A rubber band on the wrist that every time you find yourself like this isn't working, if you snap, this is an actual psychological trick, you snap that rubber band, you go, oh, yeah. Because your body, even though it's just a little, quick little pain, your body doesn't like it. And it goes, oh, right, we're not going to believe that. We're going to believe this instead. It's just a good practical thing. Pictures, painted, drawn, pulled off of Google, bought. You know, my office has about seven things in it that remind me who I am because I need to see it. Otherwise, I forget because I live in the world like you do. And if I don't keep in front of me who I am, I will forget it. Do you know that discovering who you are and the gifts that God has given you is a lifelong thing? This isn't a, oh, I got this now. It is a consistent, lifelong process. Planting another picture. Planting another picture. Planting. Because if you're not doing it consistently, you will forget and you will become insecure and a little baby jerk. Um, okay, so maybe food, some kind of food might be a good way for you to go, I'm going to eat the word of God in this here donut. I'm going to believe God. And while I eat this, I'm going to be thinking about that scripture, that truth that is mine. What if you're eating... <laughs> Donuts. That's my answer. Coffee. Legitimately, what about healthy foods? When you're believing God for health, what about even though you hate salad, you eat salad because it's like, I'm partaking of health right now. I'm putting the word of God and health in my body. I'm helping give my body what it needs. For those of you who need healing, I cannot express enough how much sugar, I'm sorry, I'm going to do this. I am a health coach and part of my life. Sugar is an inflammatory problem and it will screw with your system. If you're believing God for healing, just a simple, basic thing. Stop having so much sugar. Have some honey or some maple syrup. Like, there's natural things that are way better for you. And even that, you can't be excessive about. But still, if you're believing God for healing, have a ton of water, have some sleep, and quit having sugar. Like, honestly, I'm not saying that fixes everything, but it certainly helps your body go, oh, 
she actually really cares about me and therefore she's giving me space to heal okay I get the message it's good if you want to do the donut once a month that might be okay all right flowers what if you got yourself flowers and let them sit there and remind you of something that you're believing God for movies we are so separated and so we like compartmentalized you know my spiritual life is here and I believe God for healing when I'm at church but when I go home I don't even think about healing or I think about how much pain I'm in do you know another real basic principle when you need healing instead of thinking oh, I have a headache and my head hurts oh am I gonna get a headache do you understand when you think headache your body goes oh she needs a headache because that's what she keeps putting in my mind so apparently that's what she needs and it is that magnetic effect and it draws it to you also when you are starting to get a headache and you start thinking wholeness and you're like hmm I am so thankful my feet feel great my stomach feels great my shoulders are whole and complete because this is the promise of God relaxed my head has wholeness you understand Jesus himself lives in you his life and light and love is in you do you think that that sickness and disease can coexist with that light and life and love no I know you have moments where it does but to meditate on the wholeness and the life of Jesus in you so I was starting to talk about movies we compartmentalize all these things and we say at church I'm gonna ask for healing and I'm gonna believe God for healing but when I leave throughout the week I'm gonna eat whatever I want watch whatever I want do whatever I want and I don't care you know you can do that you probably all have done that <laughs> time to time but what if you make everything in your life for the period of time that you need it to acquire the promise of God what if you make everything focused on healing on provision on security on whatever that thing is that you are believing God for and that you need if you put all the things together even movies to make that thing real for you suddenly that thing becomes real because that is what you are bringing to yourself you are embracing the promises father has given and you are acquiring those promises remember I'm not talking about works I'm talking about your heart doing what it wants to do to grab hold of the grace and the goodness and the gift of God is there some work in it yes but it's about acquiring the promises and taking hold of the grace it's not about you working hard enough to earn it it's about you working enough to convince your heart and your head and your body of what's true of what's already real okay so engaging truth that all of those things I listed have to do with the soul and the body 
What about the mind and the heart? What if you can engage your anger to bring about the word of God? I know some of you are like, what? Anger is a terrible thing, especially those of you who are very strong peacemakers. Anger is a terrible thing. Do you know that your anger can help set a boundary for you? When you feel that anger, it can be like, oh, apparently there's a boundary being crossed here. There's something I can learn here. Do you know you can use anger to fight a battle when you're not feeling well? How about, I'm sick of this. Not taking it out on your body, but being able to use that anger and go, hey, we're not going to do this anymore. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the enemy kicking my butt about this. I'm sick of not acquiring the promises of God, the things that he has established for me, given to me. I'm not having it anymore. What is mine is wholeness. What is mine is provision. And I am going to have that promise. You can use anger to help you acquire and receive the promises of God. Passion, love, pain can help nudge you to the point of, oh yeah, right, remember, I'm trying to accomplish the promises of God here. I can use that. I'll bring that in. Sadness, hope, joy, all the fruits of the Spirit... Use it. You understand what I'm telling you? Use everything. If you want the word of God settled in your heart, you want to be confident and free and sure of who you are, make the word work for you. Use everything you need to make the word work for you. Use every emotion. Use every practical fun thing. Make it fun. I told the ladies this weekend two things that my chiropractor said to me is, your body needs you to have fun. And I went, amen. <laughs> it does indeed. And I will partake of that just like actual pills from the doctor. Fun and creativity. Do you know when you use creativity, it stimulates parts of your brain and your heart that otherwise don't get stimulated? Do you know when you get in stress, it shuts off the creative part of your brain? Seems like silly, right? When I'm in stress, I need the creative part of my brain, but it shuts it off. So instead, what you've got to do is give place for creativity to help keep that stress level lower because you get creative answers of ways to deal with that stress. So, use everything you possibly can, all the things you love, fun avenues, whatever it takes. You somewhat have to approach the thing that you're missing but that you know is real for you. You somewhat have to approach it like a warrior. Like, I want that that promise was said for me specifically and I will do whatever it takes to have it but most of us don't want to do whatever it takes to have it because it's too much work it's too much hassle I don't want to spend my life like that okay that's fine don't be condemned about it go ahead and be sick it's fine like I'm not being a jerk but reality is you can choose are you willing to do whatever it takes not to work hard, but to engage in the process? Or are you just happy enough to be where you are?
And I think there's something really powerful about just deciding, I'm happy to be where I'm at, or I'm not okay, I want to have more. There's no condemnation in that. Now, you have to be able to suffer the consequences of your choices no matter what, you know? You have to understand that then when somebody says, do you want to be healed, and you say yes, but yet you don't care enough to do all the things that are helpful. We just have to understand that the way we live and the choices we make matter. And the heart of Father is for us and to us and with us. And he will show you what are the things that are important for you to do to acquire the promises that you want. Because he's faithful like that. Okay. Spiritually engage trust and grace and faith and hope and passion. You understand what I'm saying? When we go to engage truth, we have to use all the things at our disposal that we know work for us. Let me make that clear because I don't want you all <laughs> working so hard, you're passing out, never sleeping. I want you to work the things that you need to work. But I'm saying, choose those things that are going to matter to you, that are going to affect and make a difference in your life. Implement those things that way. Mark 5, 25 through 34 is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And you remember she knew that Jesus could heal, and so she was willing to go do whatever it took to get her healing. Because here she is, a woman, and she's bleeding, neither of which should she be anywhere near Jesus. Now, not only does she have to figure out how to get to Jesus and get through the midst of everything, you guys, I'm sure if she had been bleeding for that many years, do you think she was strong? No. I'm sure she was quite weak, exhausted. It took a lot of work for her. And she's female. Not supposed to be that close to Jesus. But she worked at it. She decided, if I can touch his garment... I can be healed. I'm going to do what it takes to touch his garment. And she forced her way through the crowd. And she, I'm sure she had to push her way. And people were probably like, what, what are you doing? And trying to push back. I don't imagine it was just like, done, I'm healed. I imagine it was a lot of work. I don't know how many miles she had to walk. She did what she needed to do and what was in her heart to acquire the promise, to be transformed. So she pushed her way through, she touched his garment, and she was healed. And Jesus, new power had gone out from him, and he talked to her. He spoke to her with love and kindness, acceptance, because he's good. Father and Jesus are the same in character. And it, it, as we work to acquire the promise, Father looks at us and says, well done. 
you have been made whole and go your way in the sense of go tell people, let people know. Let them see where you've come from. Can you imagine that? Like being that sick for that many years and all of a sudden because you were able to put in the effort and the work, the healing that you got. You know that woman couldn't shut up. <laughs> you know she was telling everybody everywhere. She was quite possibly the one in the church where everybody's like, try not to get stuck with Mary because she's just going to go off far too long. <laughs> we can acquire the promises. We can be transformed. We can be who Father says we are. We can have what Father says we can have. We can grab hold of those things and enjoy them. We are meant for that and called to that. I saw a quote. I'm not going to quote it exact because it wasn't appropriate. But it says, <laughs> this isn't the exact quote, sometimes you have to flip out and go full on crazy to make a point. Sometimes you have to get crazy to accomplish the promise of God in your life. I told the ladies this weekend, there is a woman who says, um, you have to be willing to look foolish if you are ever going to be great. Guess who said that? Anyone? Cher. <laughs> this woman who is known around the world by one four-letter word, Cher, she is known around the world. She was willing to look foolish to accomplish greatness. And sometimes when it's time to engage the promises of God, we might look a little foolish. And we should be okay with that. Every single one of you should be able to stand up here and do a really dumb dance and be totally okay with that. Because <laughs> you should be able and willing to look foolish in front of anyone. Part of me wants to ask some of you to do that. <laughs> Don't panic. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> okay, so we have to decide what is the truth and what are we going to have. We have to engage that truth and probably in multiple ways, not just one. What are the ways that I learn and the ways that are helpful for me to engage so that I can have that thing? And then what to do when seeing is currently unavailable. Because sometimes acquiring the promise takes longer than a week. <laughs> sometimes it takes longer than a month. The woman with the issue of blood, what was it, 12 years, I believe. 12 years. And it says she'd gone to doctors, she'd tried all kinds of medication. It says that she spent all her money, like, she was trying to get healed all along, 12 years. But she never gave up. And she didn't die in the process. She was still able to do the things she needed to do. So what are you going to do when you're in the process? So let's talk briefly about that. Recognize it's just momentarily not yours momentarily. 
Okay, I can look at it and go, okay, right this minute, I don't have the money I need to pay that bill. But that's just right this minute. That's not long term. It's just right now. Because the truth is, Father said, I will have everything I need pertaining to life and godliness. Second Peter 1.3. Everything I need for life and for godliness. So I just don't have it right this minute. So instead of freaking out, I don't have it, I don't have it. It's like, just right this second I don't have it, but I have it. It is mine. Father has already provided it for me. When I don't see it, I still have to know that it is available to me. We talked a little bit this weekend at the retreat that really, you understand, people before Jesus came to earth, people were getting healed. Supernaturally healed. Without the sacrifice of Jesus. You understand there are people right now, complete pagans, do not believe in God, don't trust him, and they're getting supernaturally healed. And I'm sorry, but if they can do it, God, I should be able to do it, right? I'm not without God. They're without God in doing it. For the love of Pete, what is wrong? Like, I've got to be able to learn how to do that. If they can get healed without God, certainly with God, I can get healed. It is mine. It is available. And I don't need to be hindered and stuck and think that it's not mine. It's obviously mine. I'm pretty convinced that God provided healing when he created the earth. That healing and provision and all the things we need, that he provided those things and they're just like out floating around. And I just can't necessarily see them. I can't just reach out and grab a $100 bill. But, that would be cool, wouldn't it? But, I believe that that money is just floating around. And I just get to bring it to myself. This has been one of the best things that has helped me with my faith. Not because now I don't have to trust God for it, but because now I can see it different than just in the Christian viewpoint of, oh, I have to believe God and I have to be on my knees 24-7 and I have to go through all this stuff about faith. No, God provided it for me and it's just there. And I can just take a hold of it and bring it to myself by the way I think and believe and pray and confess what I watch, what I eat, whatever I need, I can make that thing mine because it's available to me. For some of you who have been struggling for a while, you're not sure that's available to you and I'm telling you, it's floating around out there. You just get to grab hold of it. And so all it is is you figuring out how to grab a hold of it. And when you're in process of figuring that out, you just take your time and don't get frustrated about it, but know that you are acquiring it, that you are drawing it to yourself. You know the show Naked and Afraid? <laughs> I'm talking about this in church. The show Naked and Afraid, these people go out with no medicine, no nothing, they have 
maybe flint, maybe a pot, maybe an axe, nothing else. And they go out in these places and they have to figure out how to survive and they drink water they shouldn't drink and they eat things they shouldn't eat and they get super sick. And some of them so sick that when they, they get taken out and when they come home they are still sick for two or three years. And they do this for a title which is beyond my comprehension. <laughs> I would have to get something way more than a title to do that. But they go out and they do these crazy things and they get super sick. And do you know with no medicine, they still get healed. With no prayer, they still get healed. Do you know what happens? They endure. Now I know that that is not a spiritual answer. Oh great, you're telling people <laughs> not to pray and to just endure, that is not what I'm saying. I am saying if they can do it without anything and their bodies recover, our bodies are magnificent creations of God. And he created them to accomplish great things. And if we will endure with prayer, with faith, we will accomplish the things that we desire. But again, we don't want to endure because it's too hard. We're soft. We're soft as Christians, as Americans. <laughs> We're soft. And we don't want to talk about the hard stuff and the enduring and the being patient. But again, my philosophy is if they can do it without God, just enduring, I certainly can do it with God, enduring, and all the other things that I can incorporate. So... James 1.4, let's put that back up. Let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play. I love that picture, full play. It's what we're talking about. Give it space and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. Let faith and endurance have its full play. You guys get to figure out how am I going to endure and acquire through faith, through endurance. That means just letting the time pass. And while the time is passing out loud and often, it is good for you to say, I'm acquiring my wholeness. I'm receiving the goodness of God in my body. I'm experiencing the light and life and love of Jesus himself in my body working things out. I'm learning who I am and I'm putting that into practice. So when I feel angry and upset with my spouse because once again, whatever happened, I'm gonna be at peace I'm going to love them. We don't love recklessly enough. I'm going to love them. I'm not anti-boundaries, by the way. I'm big on boundaries. But when we love, sometimes a little bit reckless, to great extents, we get to see 
not only father's work in our own hearts, we get to see father's work in the person that we're loving. So if I'm going to acquire all of those things, there's a point of me just out loud and often speaking what I'm believing for. Do you know the more you say it out loud, the more it settles in your soul? And just like Father spoke the world into being, he gave us the ability to speak our world into being. And so when we speak out loud, we are creating so much goodness. That's why out loud, why affirmations are huge. To be able to say, this is what's mine. And I'm not asking you to disregard how you feel. I'm just asking you to add to how you feel. So if it's physical, if it's provision, whatever, it kind of sounds like this. I feel a little bit of a headache. But that is not my reality. My reality is the life of Jesus on the inside of me. His wholeness running through my body, through every cell. His goodness pouring out over me. His love possessing me. His light completing me. Those kinds of things, whatever words you need, but out loud. Endurance and out loud affirmation of who you are, of what belongs to you, of the promises of God, of the goodness of God. And I know you're thinking, oh great, well this is just about, I just have to survive, I just have to endure until I get it. Kind of. <laughs> kind of, that's part of it. Like, we just have to be patient and persevere. Just like James 1.4 talks about. So I want you to begin to think about the things that you need being out there just hanging out and I want you to begin to think about the things you need being on a banquet table that you can just go and partake we are miserly in our beliefs and we have orphan brains and that is not father's heart the orphan brain that says I only deserve this much I can only have this much. You can have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. It is yours. It is simply a matter of you going to the banquet table and partaking of the goodness of God that's sitting right there on that table for you. And you going, that's what's mine and that's what I'm going to have. That boldness and that insistence and perseverance. So, no hesitating. Let's look at verse 6. Uh, real quick on the side, Isaiah 119 says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Now, we hear that if you are willing and obedient, then I will give you the things that you need. Then you will have the good things. Because that's what we hear about God. Then I'll provide that for you. No. He's already provided it for us. And if we'll be obedient to the word of God and what we're told, then we can have the good of the land. This is not about him rewarding our works, pouring out something to us because we finally earned it and we're good enough. No, this is about here's the goodness of God. And when you choose to believe 
all the principles and all the promises of God, those things are going to be yours. Okay? So I, uh, James 1, 6 says, no hesitating, no wavering, no doubting, because that person's like the billowing surge out at sea that is just like, you guys know this better than I do because I'm landlocked. But that thing of being out in the water and you're just thrown around, tossed around, you know how the water can just toss you around. No wavering, no hesitating, no doubting because when you get in that mind space, you become the double-minded man, double man just all over the place. So that person is in verse 7 or 8, let's see. Let him not imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. Again, the way this is written and the way we take it is that God is withholding it from us because we're double-minded and he's holding back from us. That is not the character of your father. Father is saying, it's yours. Have it. All of it. Anything you want. And we go... Uh, okay, we take this much when that much is available. Again, we think, sorry, seven, we think that this is saying we can't imagine anything too great because we can't believe that God will give us anything we ask for. What this is saying is don't believe that you can ask for great things from the Lord and then go live, excuse me, like an idiot and think that you can have those things. You don't get those things when you're being an idiot. Bottom line. Like if you want the things, you get to be willing and obedient, stable-minded, sure of what you believe, settled on the truth and the reality of the Word of God. If you can't be that way, then you're going to be here and here and, well, now I believe I'm sick because I feel sick. Well, now I believe I'm healed because I feel healed. Now I feel provided for, so I'm provided for, but I don't have any money, so I guess I'm not provided for. <laughs> great. You just, I'm great. Life's terrible. I'm great. Life is horrible. No, it just doesn't work that way. I think my ear is too small or something. Um, so we have to understand if we're going to be double-minded, we're not going to get the promises of God. We're not going to find security in who we are. We're not going to know and be strong and sure and certain of who we are. We're not going to have healing. We're not going to have wholeness if we're double-minded because the world will make us like this, crazy. But if we can single focus and keep our hearts set, verse 8, then we will have good things. If he has two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. We've all been there, right? Where you think this and this and this, and then you can't flip and make a decision because you're all over the place. I'm over here about how I think and then over here and it doesn't work. And it's not, has nothing to do with what God is providing and giving for us. So we have to re-engage. Remember what we set out for in the first place. 
understand that there's times where it might be a little bit long-term. But the length of time it takes to acquire that thing can be lessened by what you are doing. And I know that feels, again, a little bit like works, but you understand what I'm saying. If you're focused on, here are the promises of God and I'm implementing those things and putting those things into practice, sooner your trust and your faith is going to be able to grab hold of what's on the table. It's not because you did enough, you earned it. It's because your faith came to the place where it went, oh yeah, I can't help but believe that thing is mine because it is. And that's where we want to get to, where the minute I feel the slightest pain or the minute I feel a little bit of insecurity, I can go, wait a minute, that's not even who I am. I don't, I don't need that because I'm whole and I'm complete. So re-engage faith and trust and be willing to endure. Also, when you don't feel it happening, one of the phrases we talked a little bit about at the conference was be able to say it's none of my business. Because sometimes it's none of your business. You don't have to, and by that I mean, you don't have to figure it all out. You don't need to analyze it enough till you have it figured out. Sometimes the answer is, okay, well that didn't work. None of my business. What I do know is the word of God is true. The word of God belongs to me. Father loves me. This is what I own. This is what I'm having. Even though... I don't get that. We base our whole entire belief about God and theology on this thing of what we see and what we feel and what we experience on our circumstances. There are people who live their entire lives on circumstance theology. That, okay, over here, I don't know, God didn't like me that day, but this day he apparently did because I got this. And I know God's good and faithful in this area because this always happens, but in this area, not so sure he's good and faithful because I don't see it happening. Real close to home, why did God let so-and-so die? None of my business. I know that God is good. And I know he loves. And I know he loves me. And whether I can understand that situation or not, it is only a circumstance. And yes, I'm going to try to figure out what I can learn from it, but I'm also not going to call God truthful or not based on that thing. I'm going to call God true because of his word, because of his love, not because of this circumstance. I don't know what happened. None of my business. If God wants me to know, he can show me. Otherwise, what I do know is that God is loving and kind and amazing and beautiful. And he didn't do that. Whatever happened over there wasn't him. And I will not blame him because I know he's good. Okay, so we have to be able to understand there are times to say, I don't have to figure it out, it's none of my business. And then within that phrase, also say what I do know is this. 
what is my business is this. Okay, now we're going to do just a little bit of practice. So the rest is up to you guys. <laughs> I want you to, I would prefer, if you have pen and paper or a phone where you can take notes, I'd prefer you do this this way. You should know me by now enough to know to bring pen and paper. Duh. <laughs> Use cards that are behind in the seat pockets if you need to. Okay? I want you to think about the one thing that you struggle with that you know is not of God and that you know is not a promise you've been given. So maybe it is, I just feel super insecure around successful people. I don't know. Maybe it is, I want healing in this area, and I've struggled and not had it, and I want to accept healing, because I know that's the promise of God. I'll tell you mine right now is, I need help with my schedule. I feel like I need somebody to go, you're doing this, this, and this, nothing less, and nothing more. <laughs> I need a parent. <laughs> so, think about that thing that you struggle with. Now, I want you to think about what promise do you know is true that goes counter to that thing you're experiencing. Maybe it's just Second Peter 1.3, for he has given us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. It's a good one because it covers everything. <laughs> you can cheat a little with that one. All right. So, you've listed what is the thing. Now, I want you to decide what you believe. Do you believe what you're experiencing, or do you believe what the Word of God says? Awesome. Okay. Hmm. Now, the next thing I want you to put down is how are you going to engage that truth how are you going to make that truth work for you are you going to memorize some scripture are you going to buy yourself some flowers are you going to watch some movies make a playlist write a poem find a picture put it in front of you all the time get yourself a tattoo if you're over what is it 18 or 21 <laughs> 18, put a rubber band on your wrist to pop whenever you think something opposite of what's true. What emotions are you going to use? What spiritual truths are you going to use? And this is going to be different for everybody because everybody receives and learns differently. So what is the way you're going to implement this truth? Awesome. Did you hear that? She says she would tell it in her heart. Tell it to your heart. When your body is not feeling it, tell it to your heart. And be nice to yourself. This is one thing I'm huge on. Don't be like, God, you're such an idiot. <laughs> Rather, be like, hey, sweetheart, that's not okay because that's not true. I'm honoring you for letting me know how you feel. However, 
what is real and what is true is that Father loves me and he's taking care of me. Talk to yourself that way. Now I want you to, fourthly, I think this is four, I want you to decide how long are you going to fight for this. Six months? One week? However long it takes? I would recommend however long it takes. <laughs> but in case you don't know, <laughs> I do think it's important to decide. How long are you going to stick with it? Because honestly, if you're going to say, I'm going to stick with it a week, probably don't bother. Sends a weird message to yourself. Right. There is no try. There is do or do not. Okay. So now the next thing you're going to do is acquire that promise. Amen? You're going to watch that thing come true in your life. Because it already is true. You just get to watch it happen. And when it happens, what's the final thing you're going to do? Celebrate, rejoice, be thankful. Yes. Okay, so those are the points and the processes. Again, I know, super practical. I would spend time looking at James 1, 2 through 8. Spend some time looking at 2 Peter 1, 3. Convincing yourself, helping yourself see what's real and what's true. The biggest thing is being intentional. You decide what you're going to have. You bring that to pass between your faith and God's grace. And then you rejoice and share when it happens. We're hesitant to share because we don't want to make people feel bad. But I'm telling you, when you share, it can encourage people. And if it makes them feel bad, that's none of your business. All right? Okay, so from here on out, none of you ever need to whine to Shannon about anything. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I want you to put these things into practice, to make them yours, to figure out how to acquire what is intended for you. This is how we transform. <laughs> that song... This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Okay? You now have the gift of transformation. You are wildly capable. Every single one of you is capable of receiving what Father has promised. It's just sometimes a little process to figure it out, but you've got it. You've got what it takes. You can shift. All up to you and Father together. All right? All right. Thank you so much. I love this opportunity.